Capital One is a proud partner of the Roden Fellows Program, which provides opportunities to aspiring sports journalists from historically Black colleges and universities to produce content, including this podcast, throughout the year. Capital One supports this program as part of their larger commitment to the advancement of students from HBCUs. Welcome to the Celebration Bowl edition of the 2021-2022 Roden Fellows podcast, broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia. My name is Kayla Sweezy, and I'm a Roden Fellow and multimedia journalism major from Morgan State University in Baltimore, Maryland. I'm here with the fellows Alexis Davis and Sarah Jones-Smith in Atlanta covering the Celebration Bowl. Hey, Alexis. Hey, hey, everyone. Hey, Sarah. Hi, everybody. We're also joined by the undefeated's HBC reporter, reporter, Mia Berry. Hey, everyone. Happy to be here. So Wednesday night, Alexis and I kicked off the Celebration Bowl festivities at the Taste of the Celebration Bowl event at the World of Coca-Cola. It was super exciting. We got a lot of coverage. The energy was definitely there for both teams. Sarah had some complications traveling to that event, so we helped her out with the social media coverage. Sarah, can you tell us about your travel? situation yesterday yes oh my goodness for the the first time ever in my life i had a flight get canceled on me and so i woke up in the morning i was getting ready to go to the airport and then i got an email saying that it was delayed and so i'm trying to like figure out what it is that i'm gonna do i'm trying to call to get a different flight out so that i can make it in time for the event all in all, the flight ended up getting canceled, but you know, I'm still, I'm here. I'm excited for what's to come and I'm living through you guys because I didn't get to go to the event last night. So I would love to hear more about, you know, your experience and what you guys saw. Yeah. So last night it was really cool. Um, I think the main thing that was the coolest was kind of just seeing um, both teams really outside of the field. You know, I think a lot of people forget that they're, you know, actual people with lives and that they're, you know, all friends with each other because they spend so much time on the field practicing weights, et cetera. Um, So actually they were rapping, they had songs, um, they had like songs were different. One of them had different verses on there. Um, One of the players from Jackson State actually has a studio in his apartment. So in their free time, when they're not practicing, they actually make music. Um, And shout out to Elle Duncan because she had did some research. So she kind of put them out on the spot and they got to show some of their hidden talents. So they're definitely more than just a football team. Yes. And for me, I am getting TikTok coverage. That's my assignment for this week. Super exciting. Hopefully trying to get the TikTok game up for the undefeated. Shameless plug, follow us at the undefeated. We got a lot of content yesterday. And like Alexis said, it was super cool to see how these athletes are off of the field. South Carolina State was definitely into the TikToks. They had Alexis and I doing some dances with them. So we're excited to post that and just see what other activities and what other energy they're going to bring for the rest of the week. 
So after seeing a different side of Jackson State, news broke out that they're actually getting a new teammate next season, and that will be Travis Hunter. He's actually number two on ESPN's Players to Watch and also their watch list. And they were really, you know, keeping it hushed there. No one was really talking about it. And it was really cool as being a young journalist to kind of be around the area where the news was breaking out, because usually, you know, we just see it on social media. We're not actually in the arena. So it was pretty cool to be around everyone when the news was breaking out. Um, Sarah, were you able to hear anything about it on your Instagram feeds or anything? Yes, yes. So actually, once the news broke, a lot of people were sending it to me and saying, oh my gosh, like, look at this. And so that is very exciting because I think that, you know, it just further puts HBCUs on the map and maybe more people will consider going to HBCUs and committing to HBCUs and playing sports at HBCUs after seeing him make that choice. So I think it's extremely exciting. Yes. And Mia, you being the HBC reporter, I know you have some takes on this decision, the Travis Hunter decision. What are you thinking? Absolutely. So for starters, I love the decision. I love seeing these top recruits actually go to HBCUs, consider them, give them like a serious consideration. But also, I don't, I saw a lot of stuff on my social media as well about saying, hey, do you, oh my God, this guy's here top recruits are going to start going to HBCUs. I think it's a good first step, but I feel like at this point, it's a little too soon to tell. And simply because HBC, when a top athlete goes to HBCU, they're kind of in that unfortunate spotlight to where how they perform ultimately decides, oh, nope, he shouldn't have went there. Shouldn't have, should have went somewhere else. You saw that with Maker when he went to Howard. You saw how they pretty much, after whatever happened with Howard, he's somewhere else now, how they really dogged HBCU saying, see, this is why top recruits shouldn't go to HBCUs. So I feel like right now, everyone's looking at it like maybe it's a little too early. They really want to see how he performs. But number two in his class, number one cornerback playing under the legendary Deion Sanders, I can predict some success for him there. So maybe him going there, he has that success. You're going to hopefully in the future, like long term, you might see it. But immediate impact. I know Jackson State is happy. Uh, They have a recruit higher than Dion's sons that are there now. And just goes to show the type of coach and recruiter that Coach Sanders is. He's building up Jackson State brick by brick. Yeah, I also think with Maker too, you know, a lot of people had high hopes for that situation, but I really do like how, you know, I think that this won't just be a football thing. I think that there's definitely a possibility um, that uh, it will be kind of all sports. You know, you'll start seeing these top recruits from all sports considering HBCUs, especially when you think about HBCUs and more than athletics, that support system, you know, and even if, you know, you decide that you just want to consider one. Just the fact that it is a part of the conversation is, you know, really good for what's going on. And then actually with Maker, um, he didn't um, get into the draft. He actually is playing in Australia. Um, so, you know, I would love to kind of see what's going on with him and that. I mean, I know he can't really return to the collegiate world, um, but I definitely wonder what's going on with that. Probably the way people look at HBCU athletes, uh, throughout my tenure as a journalist, I've talked to a lot of top recruits, went to these big power five institutions, didn't pan out, 
went to the NBA undrafted and they were trying to work their way into the league. You don't really hear those stories. You don't hear people saying, up, oh, he shouldn't have went to a power five or up, oh, that's canceled. No one should ever go to a power five. No one should ever go to this conference. No one should ever go to this school. In fact, one of the schools this a certain recruit went to, it still has the number one recruiting class for basketball each and every year. They're always in the top five. And they actually do have quite a few guys that have fizzed out. So that's the one conversation I hate. I hate hearing everyone loves to kind of dog these HBCUs out. One guy went to one school and it kind of spoiled the pot for some reason, whereas it happens all over. It's common. Things happen in life. COVID happened. Things were outside of his control. And I don't think that that should be a damper on HBCUs and HBCUs athletics, period. Yeah, I also think that sometimes people, they forget, you know, no matter what school you go to, it's still up to the athlete to, you know, gauge what's good for them, you know, and really to be concentrated and doing the best that they can do at whatever institution they choose. Um, And I really, you know, to agree with you, I don't like how they automatically say, oh, that's why he shouldn't have gone to an HBCU, because, you know, they don't, they definitely don't say that when PWIs are the topic. Yes, I agree. And I think that's, a really important thing to note that at an HBCU, you're getting an experience that really you can't get anywhere else. So it is a whole entire environmental experience outside of the athletic department. I think that has gone to show this week at the Celebration Bowl, just seeing the world of Coke shut down that museum just so these HBCU teams can have an environment to enjoy themselves, to have that just being prioritized as an HBCU school, as an HBCU athlete. So I think that just goes to show how HBCUs are improving and really prioritizing their athletes. So Wednesday night, the first event of the Celebration Bowl week festivities was the Taste of Celebration Bowl. There was some celebrity chefs from Atlanta cooking for the players. They had a taste testing area where you could try different flavors of the Coca-Cola drinks. So overall, the Taste of the Celebration Bowl was an awesome jumpstart to what the week looked like. So many cool events happened this past week. It was very enjoyable. Sarah, what were you looking forward to the whole week to cover? So for me, finding out that I was going to have the opportunity to go see the um, HBCU wing of the Hall of Fame on Thursday was really exciting. I've never been to a Hall of Fame in person before, so I'm just really glad that I was given that opportunity to go and to kind of just see what was there to learn about different things. And I just thought that was an amazing experience. So Thursday morning, Alexis and I walked past that Hall of Fame building to pick up our credentials. It was a super exciting moment for us to just get those credentials, feel very official starting off the week with our credentials, you know, knowing that we had all these events to attend and to cover. We got a lot of social media coverage. Alexis, what were you most looking forward to to cover on social media for this week? I feel like for me, it's it was really the game. Um, just seeing the turnout, you know, the game was sold out. Over 50,000 people gathered together to see HBCU football. Like, that's crazy. Um, um, so just filming different people in the stands, people coming out, generations. You had kids, moms, grandmas, uncles, aunties, everybody just, you know, repping their HBCU, whether they didn't even attend either one of the schools that were actually playing. Just seeing everybody together and just um, upholding you know, HBCU traditions and really just showing on a national and even international platform what it means to really go to an HBCU. I'm Keon Cage, the producer of this episode. And Alexis, I have a question for you since you were at the game on the field, correct? 
Yes. So what was the sidelines like, like just seeing everything and just like seeing the coaches and, you know, just seeing everything on the sideline? Um, so for me, usually I'm really excited to be on the field during the game. Um, but this time I spent some some time on the field. Um, but I also went into the stands and kind of just walked around and take everything in. And then also me and Kayla, she was in charge of creating different TikToks um, throughout the week. And so we actually went on South Carolina State side just to kind of see, you know, what the energy was like, because, you know, you hear all this Jackson, 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 um, but not too much about South Carolina State. So, you know, we were just curious to see what was going on on their side. So we sat over there. And while we were sitting over there, that last touchdown was scored, which really sealed like, okay, like, of course, the game's not open till it's really over. But once that last touchdown was scored, you pretty much knew like, okay, you know, they're going to win. So just really getting to experience that with uh, South Carolina State fans, seeing the excitement, seeing all the posters and stuff that they had made at home and just, you know, I'm sure not all of them knew each other, but they were just all just, you know, generally happy to see their team winning. So were you like surprised uh South Carolina won and the way they won, they like literally dominated towards this like second half, just about. Were you surprised? Um, well, to be honest, I had South Carolina State winning. I just didn't have them winning, you know, due to the score that was actually, you know, the final result. Um, for me, I thought it was gonna be 24-21 with South Carolina State winning because, of course, you know, Jackson State, even though they lost, they are a really talented team. So, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like they're not a great team because otherwise they wouldn't be SWAT champions and they wouldn't even be in Atlanta playing a celebration bowl. Um, but I really was not expecting that score. I mean, but for one, I did know that South Carolina State was truly talented. Just with me covering the MEAC Media Day, having a chance to talk to their coach, having a chance to talk to Kobe, they just are just really you know, down to earth people and they play traditional football. And, you know, I hate to say it, but I really think Jackson State just really gave into the hype. Of course, I don't want to take away from anything that Deion Sanders is doing because I definitely think he is, you know, creating a new era of HBCU football. But I also think that, you know, they gave into the hype a bit. And I really feel like South Carolina State stuck to their roots. They play traditional football. They have great defense. And, you know, just like how so many people say, you know, defense is what wins championships, which is why they're MIAC champions. And that's why they're celebrationable champions. I really think they just did what they had to do. They stuck to what they knew and they played traditional football. Um, and also, just with me not only going to the game, but just going to all the events leading up to the game, they just were very humble, very modest, just happy to be there. They were kind of just soaking it all in. There was no sense of, oh, um, you know, we know that we deserve to be here. We should be here. Nothing like that. They were just very appreciative of the overall experience. And I feel like when you stay humble and grounded, that's when you get the best results. But Mia, I know you were working on a lot of stories to cover this week. What was your favorite thing to cover this past week at the Celebration Bowl? I'm going to say covering the players. I had to. I had two amazing stories learning. I think you guys mentioned it earlier. You talked about seeing these athletes as people. They are people. They are humans. And seeing their emotions and kind of opening up. Uh, talked to South Carolina State quarterback Corey Fields and got to learn about his story, his journey. His father and his brother both passed away. And him playing through all that. And on the flip side, I also got to talk to the Kobe Durant. So covering the players, I, that's one of the reasons I, 
actually became a journalist. I like talking to people. So talking to players, talking to all the different people that came from all over the United States to come watch this game is sold out. So talking to people, hearing their stories, learning more about them. I think that's been my favorite part. I'm from Detroit. So I love when people comment on my accent, even though I don't feel like I have one. Yeah, so the Undefeated definitely has a lot of the behind the scenes looks and the inside coverage of this past week. Alexis, you had a story covering the band. So that's a little bit different. What was that like getting the band coverage? Um, For me, you know, of course, I enjoy talking to the band directors, but I really enjoy talking to the students about how they juggle being full-time students and then also being full-time band members. Because, I mean, in my opinion, band is almost like playing a sport. Um, And it's a full-time job. You have to be fully dedicated. And then also, I learned that through covering the bands, um, they really get the opportunity to be leaders. Uh, both of the students that I talked to, they actually got the chance to step into leadership just within that second year. Usually with other programs, you kind of have to, it's a hierarchy kind of going on. You know, once you're a senior, fourth year, you kind of get that opportunity. But I love how bands are really open to, you know, if you have the credentials, if you, you know, have what it takes, then they're open to you being a leader, regardless of how long you've been around. So this was the last HBCU football game played this year at Mercedes-Benz Stadium between Jackson State and South Carolina State, NIAC versus SWAC. It was very exciting to see the energy and just the pride for HBCUs. How are we hoping that this positive energy for HBCUs carries into next season? So I feel like for me, I'm just excited to see if this, you know, top recruit going to HBCU, I just want to see, is that going to transfer over into other sports? You know, basketball is on the horizon. You know, my favorite sport is right there on the horizon. Well, it's here practically, um, but, you know, it'll just be solely basketball pretty soon. Um, So I'm really interested to see, you know, of course, are other football um, high recruits going to recruit to, I'm sorry, commit to HBCUs? Or, you know, is it going to transfer over to baseball? basketball so I'm just excited to see how that unfolds yeah I definitely agree I want to see if this excitement is going to carry over for other sports and I hope that it does because the other sports deserve the same recognition and attention and excitement as well and I think the players could really benefit from that and I think that it can keep them encouraged to get through their seasons what are you thinking Mia do you think that this is going to be a trend maybe of these top ranked recruits committing to HBCUs? Are you hoping that it lasts for a long time and these HBCUs progress? What's your thoughts on it? Yeah, so it's the tale, it's the old phrase, if you build it, they will come. You've seen, you've seen it with Jackson State. Dion, Coach Sanders has come in, built that program up. So when a five-star like Travis Hunter came in, he's like, okay, look, look at the support. Look at all the notoriety around this program, around HBCUs, especially the last couple of months. You know, people have always known about HBCUs. People have always attended HBCUs, but it's good to see HBCUs finally getting that national attention and recognition that they deserve. I feel like it's slowly on the horizon. There is, you guys mentioned other sports for basketball, Mikey Williams, one of the top recruits I believe he's in California if he still if he hasn't transferred out. He has Arkansas Climb Buff. He has Delaware State. He has two HBCUs on his top list. So hopefully we're gonna see that. And one thing these athletes need to recognize their 
power. People will follow them. If you go, if you have top recruits starting to come to these HBCUs, you're going to get that media attention. You're going to get the television deals. All of that stuff goes to improving infrastructure, improving the facilities, and it's slowly progressing. So right now, it's beautiful to see the buildup. It's laying the foundation for something that could be a real possibility in the future. I think right now to say, up oh, everyone go to HBCUs, maybe not just yet, unless you want to. Trust me, HBCU culture is amazing. People are amazing. Every game, every event is a tailgate. It's a family reunion. But I feel like over the next couple of years, you're going to see more. Foundations being laid right now. Maybe in a couple of years, when we talk about this again, we're going to talk about 2021 and how all the smaller pieces that came together that led to a boom in a couple years later. Yes, this Celebration Bowl week is definitely, or the Celebration Bowl week was definitely like reliving homecoming, kind of like the Super Bowl for HBCU football, a huge event. Hopefully it can serve as a catalyst for more HBCU or more top recruits wanting to come to HBCUs and just seeing how hype these events are and that HBCU athletics can get the same coverage as other schools, but definitely a week full of fun activities for the players, the band, the cheerleaders, everyone on staff for these athletic departments. That's it for today's episode. Thank you for tuning in to the Roden Fellows podcast once again. We'd like to give a very special thanks to Mia Berry for taking the time to be here in Atlanta today. Special thanks to our producer, Keon Cage, Parker Owens, and the ESPN digital audio content team. Get all of the Roden Fellows podcasts by subscribing to the Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Make sure to join us next time for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to make the Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone. We'll be right back.